Whistleblower Report, exposing lies, deceptions, and all that has assaulted our way of life. We must take back our freedom and live as God designed in a free America that honors our Constitution and our Creator. Our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Welcome to the Whistleblower Report from Truth for Health Foundation. This is Dr. Lee for America here with another team of our whistleblowers who are bringing you the truth about the lies, deceptions, and all of the assaults on our way of life, your freedom, and your life. For such a time as this, we are here to bring you truth, hope, and solutions. Check out our website, www.truthforhealth.org, for medical help, legal help, and all of the other resources. Join us in our Faith Over Fear seminars each Tuesday night via Zoom at 8 o'clock Eastern Time every week. And now, here is your host for today. Welcome. I'm Major Mike Gary, your host for today's Whistleblower Report. This is the military segment. I'm here today with Major Aaron Elliott, and we've had him on the show before. He's got an update for us. We had him on a few months ago back in January where he told us his situation, and uh, he gave us all the details of what went on with him, which is very similar to a lot of us. And, of course, about the same time was the rescission of the mandate happening, and uh, Aaron Uh, unlike some, actually has a positive twist to what's happened to him lately. So he'll enlighten us on that. But it is a really interesting time for the military. For the audience out there, I would just like to set the table a little bit here. Nothing is standardized with what's going on with this this rescission of the mandate. You've got people all over the place. Most of us are being still treated like second-class citizens, But some have actually been brought back into the fold and been treated quite well. Uh, And this this ranges depending on what branch of service or what component you're in. For example, in my situation, uh, I'm a National Guardsman, but I found that uh, that's dependent on the state that you're in, how you're treated. Now, the Army Reserve, I found to be willing to bring me back and promote me like I should have been promoted and welcome me with open arms. It's kind of funny. Uh, They don't care about the mandate. They just want it to go, go away and all is forgiven and forgotten. So it's kind of interesting uh, what we're, however, in the national guard, I'm, I'm discovering a total opposite. I'm still in the guard at the moment, but I have been still being ostracized, stigmatized and treated like a second-class citizen. 
So right out of the gate for uh, Major Elliot and myself, we're going to give the disclaimer that neither one of us are here as a representative of the Department of Defense. We're free men representing ourselves, our own opinions and our own thoughts about current events, uh, what's going on in today's world. So as you know, um, I've done many of these shows. I'm your host, Mike Gary. I have 25 years of service total, 15 years in the hazmat response field uh, um, with a specialty of weapons of mass destruction. Major Elliott also has uh, some time uh, dealing with hazmat response. So we've got that in common. And what I'd like to do uh, for us is I'm going to have Major Elliot give us uh, kind of a summary of the background of the first show that he did with us. Uh, so he, he can kind of point out all the things that happened to him. And then after he does that for a few minutes, we're going to go into what his current situation is, what he's discovering now. And uh, so we'll kind of compare and contrast. And again, like I said, nothing is standardized with all the people that we're talking with as they're being brought back into the fold. A lot of them are choosing not to come back into the military uh, with the treatment they received. And what's an interesting thing is, is the, um, the mental condition or the mental state of everybody. Um, I know when I've talked with a lot of these soldiers, airmen, and, and, and service members that uh, they just, they almost have a PTSD effect, post-traumatic stress disorder from the way we were ostracized. Some of us very much ostracized right into the corners or broom closets. Uh, and it doesn't look like uh, even with the rescission of the mandate that this has gone away in some places. So anyway, I just wanted to highlight that for the audience. I'm going to let Major Elliot give us a summary of the background of the first show that he did with us. Major Elliot. Hello. Uh, thanks for having me back on again. Uh, my name is Major Aaron Elliot. I'm an Air Force reservist. And uh, for specialty code, I am a, uh, a core uh, space operations officer. I've got a couple other specialty codes uh, assigned to me as well, such as uh, uh, information operations officer and a couple other things. I've also been uh, a former uh, U.S. diplomat with the Department of State overseas, uh, working along with the uh, military teams uh, in country there uh, based on my experience, because of my experience. And uh, for uh, a quick summary of uh, what happened in last episode. Uh, so I was one of the military members that uh, decided to go ahead and actually I put in uh, requests for a, uh, a medical exemption for the uh, uh, COVID shots because I had uh, documentation from the health unit at the embassy that I had been COVID recovered. And uh, based on the regulations that we have uh, governing the uh, immunizations, that that is uh, one criteria for waiving shots. Uh, in addition, uh, well, that was denied. But in addition, I also submitted a uh, religious accommodation request, which was uh, also denied. And uh, I also submitted several appeals uh, based on the DOD instruction and also Air Force regulations. So those two don't sync up. So they address different levels of authority 
as appeal as legitimate appeal authorities. So, uh, <clears throat> following the Air Force instruction, uh, I had submitted it up the uh, same chain, and that was also denied in the end. Following the DOD instruction, I had submitted uh, actually two memorandums for record uh, to the Secretary of the Air Force. Uh, one was detailing the discrepancies between the religious regulation for the Air Force and the uh, uh, DOD instruction uh, religious regulation uh, for the DOD and how they did not sync up and how uh, uh, basically uh, because they were not uh, synced up and the Air Force seemed to kind of go its own way with its regulation, uh, many people were not getting a fair shake uh, at their uh, requests or their appeals for this uh, and uh, several other issues. So I never heard anything back from the Secretary of the Air Force or any of his uh, office staff. Uh, I guess that's not surprising at this point. Um, <clears throat> but I also submitted a uh, religious accommodation request for a beard. Uh, I figured, why not? I wanted to do this since I was a second lieutenant, but uh, back then I've been told that uh, there was no use doing it because it would just get denied. And lo and behold, it was approved by the same uh, uh, generals who had disapproved my request to not get COVID shots and uh, denied natural immunity. Uh, so after the mandate was rescinded, uh, it took a couple of months uh, for my command to, uh, for me to hear from my command. And uh, so I decided to engage my command and sent them a message. It's like, hey, this would be the third time I've been requesting these uh, actions to uh, correct what had been done to me and make me whole. So I had asked for, uh, I think about seven or eight different things. And uh, uh, among those were, um, so I'm, I'm up for a Lieutenant Colonel promotion board uh, in August of this year. And uh, many of these things were to fix my record and put me in a position where I'd be uh, competitive for promotion against my peers. Going from the uh, performance report uh, perspective, like from what I've had in the past, uh, no issues there. Been a top performer uh, throughout my entire career, really. However, um, with the, I'm just going to say political stigma surrounding the COVID shots, uh, everyone has their own opinion and it's usually uh, quite a polarizing issue. So, for example, seeing anything related to that in a record that goes up for promotion board can definitely impact uh, the results of the board. Like, uh, will you legitimately get uh, considered uh, for promotion based on how you actually perform in a leadership role, leadership position? Or uh, are they going to take the political route based on their own personal uh, viewpoints of the whole situation? That's something that uh, if it was not fixed, uh, I would be uh, risking not getting promoted. And, and this is a situation for many others as well. Now, for me, uh, another thing was uh, a mid-tour decoration. So now uh, for active duty, the usual standard tour of duty is about three to four years. And uh, midpoint there is about a year and a half to two years. For a reservist, uh, standard tour of duty is approximately about six years. So that's... Uh, basically twice as long as active duty. So um, I, you really want to, when you go up for a board, you want to have a decoration uh, a current, which means you want to have one awarded within two years of whatever board you're meeting. Uh, 
uh, because they do look at that. Uh, if you don't have one, uh, they take that as sort of a sign that you're not, uh, you, that your leadership is not advocating for you to uh, be successful in that board. So if it's a promotion board, they're taking it as a sign that your leadership is not advocating for you to get promoted during that board. If it's a board for schools, same thing. Uh, your chances of getting selected for a school go way down. So, um, <clears throat> uh, one thing I had asked for was, and, and basically, to, to long story short, pretty much everything I asked for on this round was given to me. Like, uh, no pushback, nothing. They just, okay, you want your mid-tour decoration, meritorious service medal, done. Uh, oh, and for the other reservists that you brought up uh, in our unit that uh, are also in the same situation, done. They've got their mid-tour decorations now, too. And so that made me feel good helping out other people with that uh, important piece of, uh, of, uh, of work right there, the records. Um, in addition, uh, we had been taken off no pay, no point status uh, a while ago. But as far as approving orders for me to come in, uh, they had not been approving uh, any days, like uh, we call them IDTs, that's one set of days, or annual tour, that's another set of days that we have to perform to meet our minimum uh, required uh, duty days per year in order for us to get a good year and a good retirement year. Uh, now the reserves are kind of complicated compared to active duty. It's active duty, if you just show up, uh, you know, one, two months, the, the entire year, you're good. You don't have to think about all the calculations of when you actually perform your duty days. Um, <clears throat> and pretty much every day I requested uh, ended up being approved. And uh, I also requested about uh, 24 days worth of uh, language um, IDTs. So those were not paid IDTs, but you know, points only. And those were also approved. And uh, that's, that's to keep up with my uh, Russian language proficiency, which uh, I went to Defense Language Institute to, to learn. So definitely a legitimate use of time there. Um, also, uh, I wanted to apply for different assignments and, uh, that was granted to me as well. In addition to this, I had submitted a, uh, it's called the form 1288. That's a, a basically a change of assignment form in order for uh, your, your losing commander or losing supervisor has to approve that first endorsement section in order for you to officially apply and, and get accepted to whatever you're applying to. So. Uh, not only did I uh, finally get that one approved, uh, but uh, they said anytime you have an assignment you want to uh, apply for, uh, don't hesitate, immediately send us another form 1288 so we can sign it for you so you don't miss out on any opportunities. And uh, that was a complete 180 from the, uh, the way I've been treated, like, uh, like many others, this whole time that the mandate was in effect. And uh, I uh, was definitely thankful for uh, the, uh, the change in treatment. Um, now, like, uh, I, I do want to say, and I, I didn't express this last time, I don't think, but, uh, military service is something I'd wanted to do since, uh, second grade. Uh, so my, my dad, uh, is probably my biggest reason for that. Uh, he was, uh, in the army. He was a combat search and rescue, uh, pilot, uh, flying UEs, uh, saving lives, picking people up. And uh, growing up, that was something that uh, I was really proud of, and I wanted to, I wanted to do the same thing. 
you know, like a like a lot of kids looking up to their uh, family members that have served. Uh, in addition, uh, it's it's been sort of a family legacy for me too. Uh, I, I'm pretty much the fourth generation of uh, military uh, personnel in my family, so it's it's not something that uh, uh, we kind of uh, shirk or uh, avoid in in my family. Uh, so to have been treated this way this whole time by my own leadership was definitely something that uh, I will say I was not prepared for. Now, uh, to be totally honest, the officer corps is very highly political. However, I'll, I'll, put, I'll put it this way. We had always been trained to uh, fight, you know, combat, be uh, antagonistic towards, you know, our enemies, you know, whatever training scenario, you know, pick it, for that scenario and, and that's the, who the bad guy is but when the bad guy is your own chain of command what do you do uh, i went through every single avenue that was available to me and uh, same thing with others every single avenue that was available to me to seek justice um, and for me uh, fighting for justice has not is not a new thing for me. Every assignment I've been in, uh, every tour, there's been something. If it's not for myself, it's for somebody else. But definitely fighting for justice, making things right, uh, think you know, how things should be, you know, things that were taught in uh, in officer training. Uh, basically, go for the ideal. <clears throat> how do you make things better than they were when you got there? So for me. Uh, I had submitted uh, two IG complaints, uh, inspector general complaints, and um, ultimately uh, those were found to be unsubstantiated, despite the uh, mountain, I'm going to say mountain of evidence that I had uh, indicating that they were in fact not unsubstantiated. I'll get into the page count a little bit later, but uh, it, it surprised me that uh, uh, this was the decision, but um, as we as we said before, this being highly political, again, I, I guess it probably isn't surprising. Um, I uh, did face reprisals, uh, by the way, after I submitted the IG complaint. Um, definitely had reprisals there. So, uh, got a uh, letter of reprimand within three days of submitting an IG complaint. And I think probably my first uh, congressional inquiry request to my uh, federal representative. Um, hey, Aaron, can I just uh, step in there real quick? Hold, yeah. hold that thought. I want to add to the reprisals. Now, what the audience probably knows very well, I'm just going to state it again, that there was never an approved product, right? In fact, this is an interesting time for all of us, right? Because just, I think about three weeks ago, the FDA pulled the authorization, emergency use authorization for the original uh, two-dose shots for Moderna and Pfizer, right? So they pulled the authorization. They admitted it right there. They had no approved product. They pulled the authorizations of the emergency use authorized products. So those are gone. The ones that had the original uh, mRNA instructions 
uh, for the, the spike protein, which is now in it's such an interesting time, which is now accepted in front of the Senate, our, our Senate, right? And by Dr. Redfield, the uh, CDC director, uh, a month and a half ago said it's gain of function spike protein is what they created there. Okay. So the shot gives the instructions for the gain of function thing. Okay. So I just want to point that out. And in, in now uh, things are changing rapidly with all the whistleblowers right now. We're recording this a few days after the special agents, uh, uh, FBI whistleblowers came forward and said, hey, these things are happening. This retaliation, this reprisals are happening to us. So now these FBI uh, special agents are validating what we have been saying in the military for quite some time that we have lived essentially two years of reprisals in all different flavors amongst us. And, and Major Elliot is sharing his story with you on this. And there's no two stories that are exactly alike in this situation. And so I just want to kind of highlight the moment we're in. So here we are trying to pull soldiers back in and try to make them right. At the same time, we're still not admitting we broke the law, that we gave an illegal order. And this is what's making it difficult for the chain of command and I truly believe eventually this is going to be accepted that it was an illegal order. Okay. Sorry about that, Major Elliot. I just wanted to highlight that for the audience that uh, we're in a very interesting time as you're relaying your current situation. Go ahead and finish what you were saying about reprisals. Yep. No worries. And uh, that actually brings up uh, something else that I submitted that I'd forgotten about. And uh, at the end of the uh, first deadline, before I got the letter of reprimand, uh, I submitted a deadline extension request to the major general of my command. And uh, I said, uh, okay, so the, uh, the SECDEF's order says only licensed products will be used. And uh, the only products we had uh, anywhere around us were emergency use authorization products. So, I mean, that's pretty easy on the surface to figure out that you only use the licensed products, right? Not the EUA. You can't force someone to take an EUA. And so I told my, uh, my general that I had looked uh, in a three-state area and where my base was located, and all they had was EUA product. None of them had the fully licensed product. So I requested the deadline extension uh, until such time as fully licensed product was available. Uh, I was following orders as they were written. And I was trying to explain to the general that uh, the SECDEF gave this order. Your interpretation of that order does not matter. Your interpretation of the order is incorrect. And also, by the way, that's when the uh, DMED database data has started coming out. And uh, Senator Johnson had his first town hall. And I attached that data to the forum. And I said, I also highly recommend and, and advise that we hold off on giving anyone else shots until we can get to the ground truth on this. Because if this is what they're saying it is, this by itself, if you make everyone in your command get these shots, this is going to impact national security. Like, this is going to have a grave impact on national security. And uh, uh, that fell on deaf ears. So a deadline extension request was denied. 
And uh, well, I, I, I was trying to figure out, do they just misunderstand the order or are they trying to force me, are they ordering me to take an e-way product? And it came down to, they were ordering me to take an e-way product. And uh, that's where I was like, oh, okay. So now I'm trying, now I'm starting to figure out what's going on. Uh, they don't care. They just want their, uh, their readiness charts, their chiclet charts, all green. And uh, so that is a uh, very unfortunate. Well, uh, for look at our readiness now. So they mm -hmm. tried to get maximize the participation in the illegal product, right? Or the illegal, illegal order, not by the SecDef, the secretary of defense, but by the chain of command. And now look at our ranks. They're decimated ac across all branches of services, right? And uh, or all components. They're all lacking in strength numbers, right? They're missing people. During this time, this two years, trust has been lost and broken. And this is why soldiers that they're trying to call back and bring back don't want any part of it. And, and another interesting thing is that the uh, Congress, when they enacted that National Defense Authorization Act, right, and they, they stood strong and, you know, they brought forth the rescission, forced the rescission uh, on the Secretary of Defense, right? Well, they tied um, the um, readiness to money, okay? I want to explain this for the audience a little bit because I, I used to handle um, government money. So I know about, the, they call it the pots of money and the figuring out which pot of money you can use for what specific thing. What did Congress allow this allotment of money to be used for, right? So I, I did that for a few years, so I know a little bit about it. Well, they tied uh, readiness uh, to numbers, strength numbers. And we're all short to some degree, some services worse than others. I think the Army Reserve being one of the worst ones. And that's why they're opening, you know, they got open arms for just about anybody to get their numbers up. Because if they don't get their numbers up, what happens is, so you have the three-legged stool, personnel, um, equipment, and um, yeah, you have personnel, equipment, and then training, right? And the funds to do training, those three things. And what happens if you don't fill your numbers in this case they pull the money for equipment and training, okay? So so some branches of services, because I've witnessed this in National Guard states, they're losing school seats or they're losing equipment or losing force structure, and they're sending it other places that can actually man uh, these, these uh, positions. So we're watching it in real time, a lot of shifting going on into the military, so this is a very interesting thing because in a state that's very close to me, I watched them have to cancel 200 school seats, which you can imagine in a moment where, <clears throat> where soldiers, if they're being called back in or, or they're helping bring these soldiers back in, all of a sudden they bring them back in and they can't train. They can't go away to schools and get caught back up again or fixed. Can you imagine the morale? The morale is through the basement on this one. It's not getting any better. So this is this is a partial fix at best what we're seeing. Okay, so we're going to take a break here in a couple minutes. I just want to thank uh, the Truth for Health Foundation donors. 
uh, because of your uh, funds that you've given to us, we've been able to defend people, uh, especially military folks. We really appreciate that. Again, the fight's not over for the for the donors out there. We appreciate what you've done, but we're not there yet. We're not fixed, as you've heard me say. And so we're going to take this to a break. And when we come back, we're going to discuss uh, m- more of Major Aaron Elliott's uh, situation and how it looks going forward. Welcome back to the second half of our show. This is the Whistleblower Report. This is the military segment, and I'm here with Major Aaron Elliott, and he's given us a current situation of what's going on in his Air Force Reserve um, that he's experiencing. Again, he's he's been dealt with harshly, and uh, as of late, a lot of uh, positive things have happened uh, to his coming back and being brought back into the fold, per se. Um, I, before I move on, I just want to thank our donors. And remember, any of our stories can be found at www.truthforhealth.org. That's www.truthforhealth.org. And remember, we pro- provide numerous um, documents that can help you with the current situations going on. For example, our COVID treatment guides, our vaccine injury guides, our uh, Marburg pamphlets that we have, what to look for signs and symptoms. And then we got a a lot of up and coming um, other fact sheets that we'll be providing on, uh, you know, monkeypox and other things that they're going to try to stir up the fear on. And I just want to put a plug in for our medicine and ministry that we're bringing forth. That's This is a um, thing that we're going to look to actually reach out to other ministry leaders and hopefully spread the good news, um, the gospel, but also look to good things that are happening in our country and start spreading success across our nation. Okay, Major Elliott, do you mind uh, finishing where you left off? on the first part, on the first half. Sure. Uh, So I forget exactly where I left off, but I I did want to make the point that uh, uh, with everything that I had uh, tried to do to uh, defend myself, from what I remember off the top of my head, uh, is just as a quick summary. Uh, Again, there were uh, two uh, IG complaints. I had three, uh, three whistleblower reprisal complaints I submitted three military equal opportunity complaints. I had three congressional inquiries uh, conducted, and I was working on getting a fourth one before they, uh, before my chain of command had just given me everything that I wanted. Um, and uh, I had never actually figured out the Article 138 process uh, because I was working with the Area Defense Council on that one, and uh, I, I never got any clear instructions. But uh, from what I've been hearing, uh, Article 138s, uh, uh, those would be complaints against, uh, like official complaints against your uh, chain of command, supervisor, uh, whatever, that are supposed to go officially in their record uh, because they're kind of that serious. It's like one of the only things that uh, a member can, can bring up against their, uh, their chain of command. But uh, those have been kind of like uh, my understanding, just kind of tossed to the side, not going in people's records as far as I've heard. So not being handled in any way that they're supposed to be, have been handled. Um, <clears throat> but with the uh, letter of reprimand, I submitted a rebuttal that was about uh, two and a half thousand pages. And uh, 
part of that uh, dealt with uh, the actual order and uh, what was legal, what wasn't legal, the discrepancies between the regulations and uh, uh, some other items that, uh, that uh, I can't recall off the top of my head at the moment. But uh, that all progressed to uh, moving to have me uh, recommended for involuntary transfer to the IRR. And for reservists, um, you compare active duty to reserve in this situation. So in this situation, uh, essentially, uh, active duty would have definitely, uh, I think it's called board of inquiry and uh, as an option. Uh, and that would be uh, <clears throat> basically made up of a group of their peers to kind of hear their case and kind of decide whether or not uh, I think this person should be punished or this person should uh, should kind of go away. We, we find everything to be uh, actually true what the member said, so no punishment. So what the reserves can do to bypass, and I did not waive my board of inquiry, uh, what they can do to bypass a board of inquiry is put you into the IRR. Uh, and that's the uh, like individual ready reserve. And so that basically takes you away off status from being an active reservist. So that's selected reserve into uh, more or less uh, kind of like an inactive role, uh, inactive status. And uh, essentially uh, what my chain of command did tell me was uh, when they, initially put me on no pay, no points. They said, I will not be able to participate uh, every every year until I roll over into uh, the IRR and get, and get transferred there. And basically it, it's uh, one avenue to make sure that uh, uh, someone doesn't come back into, into service. Uh, so I had uh, submitted a rebuttal to that, which was about uh, uh, 29,000 pages and uh, some of that, uh, you know, a lot of that consisted of the Pfizer data drops. And uh, like, yeah, go ahead, tell me I'm wrong. Read through it yourself. Tell me that this data is incorrect. I mean, it comes from Pfizer itself. So I'm, I'm not making this up. It's 29,000 pages. Read it. Read something. And uh, <clears throat> so that was the same month that the, uh, for the Air Force, that the uh, temporary restraining order and preliminary injunction had come into effect. So I had stalled just long enough with that amount of paperwork. Uh, they couldn't even skim it that fast uh, in order to uh, kind of uh, prevent being fully transferred into the IRR. So uh, the preliminary injunction did save me there. And uh, after that, I had been waiting uh, basically kind of at a standstill, kind of in limbo until the uh, mandate was rescinded. Hey, Major Elliot, can I just interrupt really quick here uh, for the audience out there? So the documents he's referencing, the Pfizer, the court ordered Pfizer documents, the ones that they want to take 75 years uh, before they released. Well, it's an interesting development if you haven't been following. It was supposed to be about 400 to 450,000 documents that would release over time and they would be completed uh, last September, okay, September of 2022, they would be in completion. They would have released them all. However, they still they're still going. What we found out through current another current uh, court case is that there was more like 1.2 million documents. So Pfizer actually lied to the judge. The judge wasn't happy about that. He said something. 
his opening words were like, democracy dies in darkness. That's how he started up his second judgment in this court battle. And so he's ordered for the release to be accelerated and even Moderna's really having to release documents now. So watch for these. Um, you know, that's why I just mentioned this. Watch for this. There's more and more info coming out. I found one incredibly interesting document that explained the whole hex cells and other uh, equipment that they use to make the express the spike protein, they say. And then also ingredients like, or possible ingredients like graphene. I found the word graphene on one of these documents. So this could be one of the proprietary ingredients. So be watching for these things as they come out. Sorry, Major Elliot, I just wanted to point that out because it's such a current thing. And you did such a good job documenting it with a record number 29,000 uh, documents in your rebuttal. So go ahead. Yep, uh, no problem. And uh, uh, kind of on a funny note, uh, the Area Defense Council I was working with, uh, he took a look at the uh, at the documents and he started laughing. He said, oh, "Major, if if I can say I've I've never seen a document this long before, and uh, there might be a chance that uh, they kind of update the regulation with a page limit because of you." So uh, he thought that was kind of funny. But uh, one thing I did want to point out, since you mentioned uh, some of the uh, adverse uh, reaction or adverse effects, was uh, part of that initial Pfizer data drop actually had that uh, uh, eight solid pages of adverse reactions that they had recorded with their, with their test subjects. And uh, uh, eight solid pages, eight. It was like, what other thing on the market do we have today that does that? Anything else would have been called off the market. Uh, I think you, you have like 10 or 15 adverse reactions. Usually that takes it off the market. But this has been allowed to go through. Uh, so I, I put that in the main uh, section of the document so they wouldn't skip over it being like an attachment or a supplement. I said, no, it's uh, front and center. Go ahead, read it. Unaltered. But, uh, yep, uh, moving on. Um, so with the, uh, with being allowed to sort of come back in, uh, they had, uh, my chain of command, part of that, uh, what I had requested was to have all the negative, uh, actions in my records be, uh, be rescinded also, because that was part of the, uh, mandate rescission and taken out of my records. And they had gone a step further and they had, uh, destroyed everything that had been in my records. I mean, which kind of is what happens when they take it out of your record anyway. So it's not someone's desk drawer or something like that. But uh, uh, definitely they wanted to do that quickly. And again, based on how it had been treated the past two years, that was kind of a surprise, a breath of fresh air, uh, trying to, well, being treated normal, normally again. It was kind of nice. And um Getting yeah, on that's, that's pretty amazing, Major Elliot, that they did that so abruptly. Do you feel that there's a little guilt involved? Where they, did you did they actually feel guilty that so they felt they needed to take care of this, or do you think there's a cover up? I mean, what what do you think uh, provoked them to do that? Because they lost so bad in the court battles, or what, what's your thoughts there on that? Or I think it's I think it's actually kind of a mix. Uh, since you mentioned court battles, I do think it's part of 
Now, this is personal opinion. Of course, you can't verify this because you, you're not in their heads. I'm not in their heads. But uh, trying to cover it up by getting rid of evidence, sure. But, I mean, is that really going to work? Uh, most of us have copies of our records. It just takes it out of a centralized location. So it's harder to get at, but it still exists. It's still available. Um, another thing, I do think that there is the possibility. I've been going back and forth uh, kind of on uh, did they feel bad about this. Because uh, I think in some ways, maybe they maybe they did. I kind of want to think that maybe I kind of got through. Is uh, One thing that I mentioned was, uh, hey, uh, the reports I've been hearing about, uh, and, and I'm, I'm like geographically separated from my unit, but the reports I've been hearing about uh, uh, health of members in my unit has been, uh, they've been getting sick often. They've been getting sick frequently. And I have not been sick since August of, I think, 2021. So, uh, and that was when I recovered from COVID. Haven't been sick with anything since. Uh, so, if we're if we're talking about health, then uh, it would seem that the people who did the shots have a much higher chance of not being in good health and becoming more sickly. Um, <clears throat> as far as uh, mental health and morale goes, uh, we definitely. Uh, the impact to mental health and morale in the ranks is not something that could be covered up. Uh, there were so many people that have been impacted by it. Uh, in addition to, I, I do think some commanders and some people in the leadership chains uh, did feel some kind of guilt um, about, uh, you know, well, hey, maybe they thought they were doing the right thing to start with, but now they know they're not doing the right thing at all. So how do they fix it? We do have some people like that. I, I am aware of that. Um, so I do think that some people are stepping in, and doing whatever they can to help correct as many situations as they can. Uh, so I do believe that. So Major Elliot, I know that what I've been seeing and as I talk with other soldiers, you know, the morale is, is pretty, it's at an all-time low. Um, it may be a historical low. I don't know. It's definitely rivals, if not, it's worse than, you know, the Viet, post-Vietnam era. And especially talking with some of the Vietnam era vets, when you kind of get into it with them and, and explain situations, they, they find it, it's a very strange situation. It's different than their time, uh, you know, as you get talking and comparing, but uh, they don't, they almost don't know how to comprehend this. It's such a, it's weird too. Uh, so there's a lot of emotions tied up in this. And then, of course, the, um, you know, the airmen or soldiers or whoever service members that had to actually perform these administrative actions uh, against us. Right. Uh, some of them didn't want the experimental thing. So they're already in an awkward situation, but they just went along to go along to save, uh, save their pay, save their careers. You know, it's very sad situation. I've talked with a lot of these people and, you know, in, in confidence, a lot of them admitted to me that, you know, this, this is an extremely tough situation to actually, you know, do these actions against such great people. And if you've been hearing uh, Major Elliot talk, he's he's one of he's exceptional. He's one of the best of the best in, in the Air Force, you know. And that's how I think if you have to characterize us, most of us are a lot, fit that. We're all that way. We were top notch people. So you can imagine, 
these people that had to do the administrative functions against us, they're at an all-time low morale-wise. And now that they're having to bring us back in, they're having to go against, you know, reverse everything. It's just plain weird. You, This is like the weirdest dream you could have. Truth is stranger than fiction. It's such a bizarre time. But nonetheless, I have offered myself up to help with the corrections panels. And it sounds like, Major Elliot, you actually, uh, once you got back and you got restored, if I heard you correctly, that you made sure some of the subordinates and you uh, uh, below you got their records correct, corrected as well. Did I hear correctly? Well, I haven't been able to correct any records uh, myself in that manner. Uh, so what I have been able to do is the uh, mid-tour decorations of uh, my peers. So uh, I think we had uh, two majors and uh, two or three lieutenant colonels, something like that. I know there's one other person that's also up for the lieutenant colonel board uh, this year also for my unit. But uh, I was able to help them out uh, getting their mid-tour decorations uh, created and awarded. Uh, which is a, a very big deal. Uh, the, my unit has a, well, the, the, the unit that I'm billeted to has a history of not really taking reservists very seriously or you know, having a, and what I mean by that is uh, any paperwork that we need, stuff like that, they kind of viewed it as not a necessity until like my first year there. Uh, I explained, you know, hey, uh, we're reservists, right? We have to compete for everything just like the active duty guys. We have to compete for promotions. We have to compete for assignments. So if you give us a bad performance report, uh, if you if you water it down and make, make it sound like we did nothing, then we aren't competitive for anything. And uh, they had explained to me, too, that uh, they're like, oh, wow, you've been here for like uh, three years already at, at this point, two, three years. Usually we keep people for about a year and then they just leave. So you never figure out why that is. It's because they aren't taking care of them. And that's impacting their career. Uh, but uh, that's that's one thing I was able to help out with uh, the whole time I've been at that unit. We're coming up on about uh, seven years now, I think. And uh, it's, uh, in my opinion, it's, uh, it's time for me to go somewhere else because that's uh, definitely over a full tour. But uh, so I am on orders with a different unit, and that is in the uh, uh, D.C. area. And I've been able to... Uh, help out uh, since about April. And uh, the, the leadership I've been assigned there has been absolutely ecstatic with what I've been able to do uh, just uh, within the short time that I've been there. Uh, they've had a couple of things come up for themselves, uh, some personal issues, and I had to go ahead and fill in uh, for uh, uh, some, uh, an, an 05 Lieutenant Colonel and also a couple of 06s, uh, so colonels. And I've had to stand up for our uh, organization and our mission uh, in front of uh, at least a single, at least one one-star general, because uh, they did not, uh, it, was, it was a thing about billets, like, uh, hey, we want to change this billet to a different career field. And, uh, you know, we, we're looking to you, since you're the only representative from your organization, Aaron, uh, and we want, you, we want you to give us a heads up or like a thumbs up saying that we can go ahead and swap these billets. And I was like, uh, well, I can't do that. I've only been here for about a month. Don't have the uh, uh, knowledge to expertly speak on this and make any decisions. I'm not the decision authority for my organization uh, on this matter, but I can go ahead and take your uh, concerns, your uh, questions, 
and direct that to my chain of command so that they can adequately uh, uh, address your concerns and we can see if uh, you know where we can go with this. And uh, my uh, the O5 that I was working for uh, initially was like, oh no, oh you took this meeting. I, I didn't want you to take this meeting. And uh, then I explained to her what I did. She's like, oh good, great job, expertly handled. Like yeah, there you go, there you go. You were current ambassador for a little bit, and uh, you know you run into people that are always asking for things, but uh, you can't promise everyone everything. So kind of have to just do a little bit of a data collection report back, essentially. Yeah, it's it's nice to have some recognition, isn't it? To have a attaboy. Uh, it's been a long time since I've had one of those in my military service. You know, it's been at least a couple of years. I mean, from the subordinates, I've had some subordinates say, thank you. Oh, th- I appreciate what you've done for me. Th- and that's very good. But certainly from anybody senior above me, I haven't had an attaboy in a long time. So that must have felt really good, Major Elliot. Oh, that, that felt fantastic. And uh, they've been uh, they've been repeating that for about two weeks now. So it's like... I mean, it wasn't really that big of a deal, but man, that, that does make me feel good right now. Especially, like you said, for, especially with the way we've been treated the past two years. So uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to be uh, part of the team again. And, and the unit that I'm working for right now on orders for, they have no idea that anything adverse, no, that any adverse actions were taken against me or anything of that uh, nature. So clean slate. So that's definitely nice. And, it, and then it comes down to like, how well do you actually do your job? How quick can you learn? And uh, you know, what, do you, what do you bring to the organization? Uh, what can you add? And from looking at it from that lens, it's definitely been a breath of fresh air. That, that is something I, I really needed. Wow. Yeah. So a clean slate. So you escape the stigma of what has been placed on you that that must be awesome i imagine that feels really good that you can essentially kind of have a rebirth a start over clean slate uh that's definitely what needs to happen if the military is going to continue on uh again that remains to be seen because trust has been broken up and down the the ranks and people are bailing uh, so fast if people can hit their 20 they're jumping i'm seeing a current trend of people not hitting their 20 they don't even care they're just getting done at their when their enlistment's up so that's that's something that's going on pretty big right now major elliot we're getting a little short on time for uh a minute minute and a half could you kind of close us out with your final thoughts sure uh I do want to kind of bring up that uh, real quick that uh, I did have a uh, flu shot uh, religious accommodation request appeal in process. And uh, that was when I was uh, actively on orders with this unit in DC and my other chain of command in uh, the other unit that I'm billeted at uh, just uh, went from zero to 100 on this one. So same thing as the COVID shots. So same thing as the COVID shots, Uh, got a memorandum for record, uh, with an order to get a uh, flu shot within five, uh, five calendar days, not even business days, and got a phone call on a Friday at about uh, 5 p.m. when everything's closed. Uh, had the uh, command chief on that line, too. 
Uh, so wasn't uh, thrilled about that and was sternly ordered to get the, uh, the flu shot. And I mean, we're, we're talking about a flu shot. It's, it's a normal flu shot. This is out of the ordinary for this. It should have just been uh, calling him up on the phone and be like, hey, Aaron, uh, your thing was denied. Go ahead and just get the flu shot whenever you can. And for the flu shot, it's definitely past flu season. And it was hard for me to find a shot. And in addition to that, uh, I did get a shot. I got the one of the older, more traditional ones that was less offensive to my religious beliefs. But uh, with that, I had a serious adverse reaction. Lo and behold, I was asking for a medical exemption from this because I've had adverse reactions in the past from shots before. Had to go to the emergency room, got that documented, and uh, sent that uh, ER visit report and proof of the flu shot to my chain of command, and nothing. No sorry, no glad you're feeling better, glad you didn't die, Aaron. Nothing like that. Just, uh, you know, wait, <laughs> back to that treatment. But uh, with uh, there is positivity out there for, uh, like I said, with the new unit that I'm working for, um, there is uh, a breath of fresh air, a new start, and uh, no uh, preconceptions about uh, who I am or what I can do. Well, that's very positive, uh, Major Elliot. We really appreciate you coming on, sharing uh, the current current situation uh, in the Air Force and with your new unit. It just it does sound like uh, it may be a brief reprieve on how they treat some of you in a in a positive light with the the flu shot and how they're forcing you into that and uh, jumping on it really quick almost like to to tamper down any dissent on these things. I mean, we just had a major battle on uh, experimental things. Of course, everybody's looking at the ingredients on every shot now a lot closer, a lot closer. That's what's happening now. And of course, there's going to be way more questions after they did what they did, right? So, I mean, it sounds like there's going to be more battles looking forward regardless of how this uh, the whole thing with the covid uh gene therapy turns out so i want to thank our donors one more time and um, go ahead on our website sign up to give donations your donations have helped us tremendously and they're going to continue to help us in the battle in the battle forward okay as you can see this isn't going away anytime soon for us so we appreciate those donations they've helped uh, the nation's finest fight for our first amendment. So go to www.truthforhealth.org, join our crusade. We are silent, no more. Sign up from our email alerts, check out all our resources that we had, COVID COVID uh, treatment guide, COVID vaccine injury treatment guide, our fact sheet on Marburg, uh, monkeypox radiation treatment guide, and, and many more medical things coming and our medical uh, medicine and ministry that we have going. So we appreciate you uh, being with us here today, and we will be back for another whistleblower report military segment. <laughs>